I'm excited to have this conversation. Last weekend, when uh, Jay and I were having a conversation about money and wealth building, and how ultimately um, there was a book we read where it said the the ability to do what you want, when you want, with who you want, for as long you want, is the ultimate dividend money can buy. Said simply, being able to buy your time back is the highest value that money can give you, and that's been the the journey that you have been on successfully. I'd, I'd love to go back to the very beginning. Talk to us about your profession early on. What were you doing? Gosh, I love that you're talking about this, Jeff. Just uh, the whole idea of buying your time back is just so powerful. Um, but yeah, you know, in the beginning, I really spent a lot of my time earning money, and I didn't know any other way. I hadn't thought about doing it any other way. And so uh, I remember when I was in seventh grade, my parents said, Hey, if you want to make money, you know, if you don't expect to come to us for money, if you want money, then you need to go get a job. So I started out selling newspaper subscriptions door to door, which I was horrible at at the beginning. And I remember coming home with like goose eggs. Like I spend this whole time, this whole evening after school going door to door and no one would buy anything from me. But it really toughened me up and helped me get used to rejection and really just helped me not take rejection personally. It just ended up being a lot more of like, uh, yeah, a yes or a no, a matter of fact. It's you know, it has nothing to do with me and everything to do with them. And and uh, with enough practice and experience, I actually got pretty good at that job and made a good amount of cash to support my lifestyle and and travels even at a young age, uh, which is pretty cool. After after school, what did you do professionally? So uh, for. My time during college, uh, and really right after I graduated high school, I, I sold Cutco. And I did that to pay for school. It was a great training ground for just learning how to sell, learning how to handle objections, just really you know, the, the fundamentals and the basics of sales. It, it was just such a good training ground for me. Uh, and then as I graduated, and technically while I was still a student at the University of Illinois, uh, I had an opportunity to run an office with them uh, as a branch manager. And this is where I got to open up my own office and my own location, hire my own team. And it was definitely out of my comfort zone, which is cool. But I did really well. And I was surprised. I actually thought I would do okay. I, I exceeded my own expectations. I wasn't great, but I was better than I thought I would be. And more than anything, I just had fun. I had fun working with people. I had fun challenging and coaching people and having a team and, and kind of working together in, in tandem to achieve goals. And I just found what I thought was my calling at a really young age. And so I continued working with the Cutco organization, running an organization for them and, and really growing it over uh, a period of time. I ended up working there about 19 years hmm. and uh, I grew, you know, a uh, an organization that I managed over five states, and uh, it was really just from the the standpoint of like a sales background, it was great as a representative. But then taking a step into management, I really got the entrepreneurial background, uh, where I got a chance to work with people, hire and train and develop and kind of create a team and have people in my own local office, and then people I would export out to other uh, cities. That I would have to manage from afar. And it really was just a great way to begin my entrepreneurial career. I put myself in the, the shoes of the person who's listening to this. And I know a lot of people, you know, they hope to find a job that they love, that fulfills them, that allows them to earn a great lifestyle. Uh, 
And that's usually where it ends, right? Work hard, save your money, save up for retirement and be good. But that's not your journey. One day you had an aha where you realized you needed to go down a different path. What was that? Well, early on in, in running an office, I, I'm just, I'm a huge learner. I'm a, I, I always call myself a, a lifelong learner. Uh, I don't ever want to graduate from that. I just always want to be a student in something. And so as I was running these different offices, I was reading books to learn how to scale and learn how to be a better leader. And I came across Robert Kiyosaki early on. And, and I believe I read his first book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, while I was in college. Uh, but I read his second one, uh, Cashflow Quadrant, shortly after college when I was running my first office. And I just had this huge epiphany of what I was doing and, and the roles and the way that taxation worked. And the fact that you know when, when I was being a, uh, an employee or self-employed, that I was paying more in taxes than if I was a business owner and, uh, and or an investor. And so I just had this big aha that I need to shift if I want to be able to continue to grow wealth and not have the number one thing that erodes wealth, taxes, uh, stepping in. And so that was a really cool journey. That was the start for me. He was my first mentor. I don't know that he knows that. but uh, and, I, and since then, I've had many other mentors. And so for me, I'm, I'm not necessarily an ideas guy. Uh, I'm much better at taking a program or taking something that someone else has done and then copying it. And then once I understand it and I learn it, then I feel confident in innovating. But I don't really innovate anything until I have it down myself. And I'm and really, I just call myself a great copycat. You know, a lot of my stuff is not necessarily, especially my earlier stuff in modeling. You know, business and entrepreneurship. I just copied the best that there were, the best that I knew that there were mm -hmm. uh, in my circle of influence. I love that. I love that. When you read. Cash flow quadrant, you're realizing, okay, having to trade hours for dollars is not ultimately what I want. What was your goal? What was that thing that you would say, you know what, I've done it, I've reached it? Well, you know, it's funny. So I had two kind of epiphanies, and one happened uh, the first time I read Cash Flow Quadrant. And that epiphany was that I'm trading time for dollars and I'm trading a lot of time for dollars. Luckily, I felt good about that compensation swap at the time, but I knew I didn't want to do that long term. You know, it wasn't sustainable the hours I was working and kind of building a new business. It just it was a lot of work. It wouldn't have been good for a relationship. You know, at the time when I was first getting started, I was not in a relationship, uh, and so that would have been taxing. You know, uh, luckily I hadn't met my wife uh, then because it probably would not have worked out because I didn't have my priorities in in place. And so, you know, that was kind of one epiphany is like, I need to buy my time back. And it doesn't necessarily need to be now, but I need to figure out how to get there. And, you know, I've got time, but I just can't be doing this a decade later. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, at that time, I actually thought I was a business owner. And my second time reading through it, I had the epiphany of, wow, I'm not a business owner. I'm a sole proprietor. And, and there's nothing... I mean, there are pros and cons to everything, right? To me, it was really a wake-up call because I thought this whole time I was a business owner, but really, I was just running a portion of a business. You know, it, Everything wasn't on me in that organization. I had uh, the, the luxury of fulfillment and uh, you know, a lot of back office stuff and, and, and things that I didn't have to worry about. And so... 
in the book, it said, hey, if you can't step away from your business for one year or more without it dipping, in other words, it maintains or gets better over that year, you're not really running a business, you're running a sole proprietorship. And so I, you know, it was great that I had this second takeaway where I was like, oh man, I thought I was a business owner. I'm not a business owner. I actually would like to figure out how to truly be a business owner and not just a sole proprietor. Mm-hmm. Let's fast forward to today so people understand where you're at, and then we'll talk about the journey got there. Uh, how old were you when you read Cashflow Quadrant, roughly? I believe I was 23, 22 okay. or 23. Perfect. And you're now 40. Um, yeah. At what point did you? realize that you were actually financially free and you had actually bought your time back? Well, the first thing I learned, and I learned this from a few mentors, and I also learned this from Tony Robbins. I also learned this from other you know, coaches and, and people I had in my life, is that the first thing I needed to do is get all of my expenses covered. Mm-hmm. Um, and ideally, first, is just the, the minimum expenses it cost me to live. So not necessarily my lifestyle, but my mortgage, my you know, utilities, food, car payments, anything that's you know a survival expense. And so I worked hard at that. And by age 35, I had enough passive income to replace the bare minimum it cost me to survive, which was a very liberating feeling to know that in a worst case scenario, if anything went wrong, uh, I was covered. You know, I didn't have to work, although my lifestyle didn't support me not working yet. But I didn't have to work. And just that idea, that concept was a game changer for me in the way that I showed up, in the, in the decisions that I made, and how I spent my time. Everything shifted. And it only took a couple of years after that. By age 37, I had our lifestyle expenses covered in passive income and truly could say that we were financially free. Okay. So now that people understand, the the context of of what you've been through. I want to go back to the journey. So you realize, okay, grateful for what I'm doing professionally. Provides a great lifestyle monetarily, but it's not what I want to do for the long run. I've personally been in that exact place, which ironically, the book that I read that uh, really flipped the switch for me was Cashflow Quadrant. Because at the end, he, he's, he shared the Jim Rohn quote that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And I looked at my five and went, holy smokes, I want to be a business owner and none of my friends are business owners. <laughs> so walk us through the journey. What did it look like when you said, okay, I want to go down this path? What'd you do? Well, I, my goal is to be a good student. So if I'm reading a book and someone's mentoring me, they don't know that they're mentoring me, but they are. And I'm taking action and I'm doing all the things that I need to do that I think I need to do. And my goal is to always just take a step just move in that right direction and then kind of build momentum from there. And so, yeah, I mean, that was a huge one. I, I looked around and I recognized that my circle of influence were people that were not going to likely take me to that next level or assist mm. me in getting to that next level. And it didn't make any of them bad people. You know, like in my mind, the, the idea was I need to upgrade my peer group, but that doesn't sound nice. It doesn't say, you know, I'm not trying to like cut people off. But at the same time, I need to be intentional about who I'm spending time with, and the, uh, you know, let, let's call it the 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 overall like thinking that people have, big picture thinking, and you know, additionally, it's like what are the questions that they're asking themselves because they're asking 
much different questions, much more challenging questions, much more uh, exciting questions than I was at that point in time. And when I think about peer group, I think about it in, in two different kind of tiers. You, you've got your peer group of who you're close with. And by the way, these may not be people that you're close with right away. Like for me, I had to work really hard to get into some peer groups where I wasn't close with people, but I knew that they were the ones that were going to help me. And I, I had to work hard to become part of the friend group. And, uh, and, and so I did. And so for a while, I was you know, maybe an outsider. And, and that's all right. I worked real hard at, at it. Uh, but the second tier are mentors. And it's finding people that will actually spend that time with you. So I, I actually think both groups are imperative. And I think a mentor that takes someone under their wing is a little more intentional about teaching and mm-hmm. coaching. Whereas a peer group kind of subconsciously coaches and teaches. They don't even necessarily know that they're doing it. They're just playing the game of life at a higher level than I was. And so it just got me to change my game. It got me to think bigger, got me to think differently, got me to ask better quality questions. It got me to focus my time rather than, you know, uh, going out to the bars or, you know, I still love a good movie, but I watch less movies on behalf of reading books and, uh, you know, going to events where I could learn conferences and seminars. And I just got to a point where I, I, I had, I've always had this insatiable desire to like learn and grow, but it got to a point where I made that the priority instead of all the other things that I was trying to juggle. Eating healthy is an investment. It's an investment in yourself, but it also often requires an investment of your time. But good news is Factor has delicious ready-to-eat meals that are ever fresh and never frozen. They're chef-created, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With Factor, you can choose from a weekly menu of up to 35 options, including popular things like Calorie Smart or Keto Direction or Protein Plus or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover 60 more add-ons every week like breakfast on the go, lunch snacks, beverages to help you stay fueled, feel good all day. And we know our listeners here at The One Thing are focused on health and health goals. That's why we choose to partner with Factor. And if you visit factormeals.com slash 150 and use code 150, you can get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Again, that's factormeals.com slash ONE50 and use code ONE50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. And I think that's that's important. Uh, and the people listening to this will resonate with that. You made your growth and your learning the priority. I personally know what it feels like to be really busy and to feel like you don't have time to read the next book or to catch up on the podcast or to attend the event or to go through the course because you're just busy going through life. But it, I know at least for me, when I held up a mirror and I was honest with myself, I was going through the day by default, not by design. Yeah. And it's easy to do because if you're not proactive, if you're not planning time and scheduling what life should look like, what you desire it to look like, then the default is that, that you're going to go through life reacting to whatever happens. It's more of a reactionary life and taking care of what comes in your way versus proactively creating a life by design and saying, this is what I want it to look like. And I'm going to move towards that. I'm moving from A to B because I am intentional about going after what I desire. Yeah. It, 
it's interesting because I've been on the I'm on the other side of this journey now in terms of having surrounded myself with the right people and understanding how profound of an impact that makes. But when you're in the weeds and feeling like you're meant for more and struggling because there's a gap between where you are and where you want to be, the idea of just focusing on attracting the right mentors, surrounding yourself with the right peer group, it doesn't seem like that's going to be the thing that's going to give you the result. Yet it absolutely is a lead domino that makes everything else easier or unnecessary. Yeah, for sure. And and really, when I first started, I don't know that I was connected with any groups where it was like, oh, you know, these people in this group are great. For me, it really started out with just picking the authors that I thought were great leaders, and they became my peer group. They just didn't know it. And so I kind of built my own peer group until I was able to mix and mingle and create one in real life. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, I just and and I would I would have fun just reading about people's stories, entrepreneurs that built these killer businesses or, you know, leaders that ran these great teams or these great companies. And so, uh, you know, I, I wanted to emulate that. And then also the more clear I got with what they were doing, it was easier to spot that in people in real life when I would meet them. And, you know, another big thing, Jeff, that that I would definitely credit to one of my keys to success was that I was very intentional about meeting someone new at least once a week. And so I would have time in my schedule and mm-hmm. I would take people out. I would treat them. I would. I, I always wanted to pay. And by the way, this is when paying really hurt. Like it was, it was like, I probably shouldn't be paying right now because money's really tight. I invited this person out, so I'm going to treat. And and it's interesting because with a lot of people that I would take out, they were so used to paying. So when I would insist, I think it would leave a lasting mark where they'd say, <laughs> "Oh my goodness, you know, he he wouldn't even let me pay." And that was kind of the goal and, you know, some some goodwill definitely came from that, but more importantly than that, some great relationships came from that and some great education and great learning and great lessons and good habits. Well, I think I remember um, early on in this company having conversations with Jay about the importance of being in relationship with talented people. And especially when you're a leader of a business, having a bench of talent. And Jay, who is a natural introvert, realized that for all the businesses that he has ownership in, he had to form a habit that would result in him having a large relationship base. And his one thing was every Wednesday morning, he did coffee with a stranger. Somebody who his peer group considered to be talent with no agenda. He would, he'd pick up the tab for the coffee, but that was his quote networking habit. You did the exact thing. Didn't you guys actually do one of those coffees together? Yeah, that's right. It's funny. When you said that, I was going to say, yeah, I'm actually you know one of the recipients of this <laughs> time where he built it out and he and I got a chance to get to know each other. And you know that led to you know a really nice connection, and and uh, later had a chance to to get together with his wife and talk real estate. And so, yeah, it was totally fun. But one of my rules, I knew he was expecting to pay. So even something simple like that, I was like, no, I'm not going to let him pay. I'm going to pay for this. As you went on your journey, I love how you said you started by finding mentors and your your peer group by just reading or listening to books. <laughs> like that that's something absolutely every person can do because it changes the way you think. But as you fast forward, you're an avid reader, you consistently are reading books. As you started to surround yourself in person with people who are more where you wanted to be, what were some of the shifts that you noticed in yourself in terms of the way that you were thinking? 
Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting. When you read a lot, you often start to gravitate towards other people that read a lot. And so mm-hmm. a lot of the conversations that I started having became a lot different than what I used to to have. I mean, a lot of my conversations with many of my friends would be like surface level, sports related, um, you know, weather, just just inconsequential, you know, data points. And what I found with people that were well studied and well read, well educated, uh, and that's not even formal education. I just mean in the education of life, uh, is that we could go deep. We could go deep quickly. And the things that we would talk about were things that had impact, you mm-hmm. know, about making a difference and about developing people and about uh, building organizations and, and, you know, scaling and what that looks like and creating an infrastructure and protocols that are replicable. And, you know, the, the conversation just got to a lot more substance and, it ended up being a lot more fun for me. It, it just it felt more uh, gratifying to talk about these types of topics. I totally know what you mean. It's like um, I remember feeling like my entire life I had pie in front of me, and I was just eating the crust. And when I finally started having conversations with other growth-minded people, I actually got to taste the true essence of the pie. It's like, oh, so this is what it feels like. This is the richness. This is the depth. I don't even like pie that much, by the way. That's a great analogy. <laughs> it's, it's actually really funny, but it's true because you know when when you're when you're talking to people that have they care about the relationship. It's not just about them. It's asking a lot about you, asking questions, uh, the engagement. I actually found myself asking way more questions and caring less about me and more about them. You know, I feel like I became just just better all around because of the people that I was spending time with. And and over a period of time, what are at one point in life small changes or small shifts over a long period of time, it's a pretty massive shift. And that shift in thinking sticks. Mm-hmm. You know, as you learn something and as you reinforce it, um, the thinking is it's amazing like how how your mind can capture all these data points and retain information. And uh, I'm just amazed every time, you know, and and just Whenever I meet someone, I'm always amazed at how smart they are and whatever the thing it is that they are great in or know a lot about or spend time in. And it's there, people are just a wealth of knowledge. And I want to learn a little bit about everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Just also from getting to know you, I think this is really important to point out. You weren't just learning for learning's sake. Everything that you were learning, whether it was through books, podcasts, peers, mentors, you were putting into action and you're a fairly systematic person to the point that you were asking, okay, how do I weave what I've been learning into routines that ultimately became habits? Talk to us about what some of those habits looked like that helped you on your journey from trading hours for dollars to actually having bought your time back. Yeah. And you know, one thing that I do want to point out is the more that you learn from books and meeting other people, the more that by default, you're going to put things into play. So sometimes it was very intentional and it was calculated and it was like, okay, that was great. I'm going to put that into play in my business or in my relationships or, or whatever. 
But other times it was totally just uh, a normal natural flow that I found myself doing without even recognizing it until maybe I would catch myself journaling about it. And it's like, wow, I've come a long way. I didn't even mean to do that, but somehow that became a habit. And so I, I do think it's important to recognize there are some things that will become a habit because of intentionality. There are other things that if you're just putting yourself in the right environment and have the right influences, by default, it's going to become kind mm-hmm. of a, a natural type of, of routine or habit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think both are important. Uh, and, and I think that the, the default ones happen a lot more once you're intentionally putting other practices into place. You know, So I don't think you can just kind of show up and... Uh, have things fall into place perfectly or anything like that. But, uh, you know, I think that there needs to be a different way of thinking that you question the norms. And a lot of the good habits that I've gotten into, you know, part of it's modeling who are doing the things that I want to do and how did they get there? What were the actions that they took? And I'll just copy them. Some of them are actually challenging beliefs I have or societal norms where, this is the way it's done. And it's like, why is that the way it's done? Or this is what people believe. Well, why do they believe that? In fact, why do I believe that? In fact, do I even believe that? Or did I take that belief from someone else that had it? Do you remember an example of one of those beliefs that you challenged? Yeah, I mean, really just in terms of like, I could think of a financial one. uh, And that's just this whole idea of the way that you earn money and, you know, kind of punching a clock or putting in hours. uh, You know, to me, like that's all I had ever seen in my life. That's all my parents had done, their peer group had done. I didn't know anyone that was doing it a different way. Uh, and just meeting people along the way that that did life the way I wanted to, that weren't tied to a job, that were able to figure out a way to kind of have assets or income, uh, you know, assets or capital, I guess, create their income. It's like, wow, I never even considered that before. That is, that is just why did I never think about that? It's actually brilliant, but the thought never crossed my mind because I was never exposed to it in the first place, right? And so I feel like I have those a lot, or even you know the beliefs that my parents would have around money, which is like, mm. hey, money doesn't grow on trees. That's a very uh, scarcity type of mindset. Uh, and, and that was kind of what I grew up with. And so in my mind, I would catch myself saying that to people, even though I don't know that I really believed it. I don't know that I was actually really living that. But that was just kind of stuck in there until I questioned it. And there's so many more like that, you know, about even the type of work that you do and taking a safe job so that you have job security. But is a safe job really job security? I actually would argue that it's not, you know? So I think the important thing is just what consistently questioning your own beliefs to make sure that they're your own. There are a lot of people, I mean, this has been a fairly extraordinary year, not in a positive way. (laughs) Um, There are a lot of people that have had major setbacks in their relationships, in whether that be the romantic ones, ones with their kids, with friends, because they haven't been able to get together and financially, and yet they still have goals 
for what they want out of life. They still would love to wake up and say, hey, I get to choose to work or not. On your journey, what would be some of the, the foundational habits you would suggest they consider forming that would help them go on that path? Well, one of them for sure would be having some sort of planning time. And uh, you know, I, one of the things that I learned from uh, Keith Cunningham, and I know he's been on your show before. I've gotten a chance. I think he's been on your show a couple of times. Uh, I really enjoyed those episodes. But like one of the things I learned from him, and I saw him live at a Tony Robbins event, and I got a chance to meet him. And he just put this whole idea in my mind of think time and where you're really scheduling your time and proactively thinking and strategizing and creating. And, and prior to that, I had spent some time with Matthew Kelly. And Matthew Kelly is a big proponent of... Uh, he wrote this book called The Dream Manager. And he's a big proponent of uh, helping people live the life of their dreams and create dreams. And so I was intentional about creating dreams as well because of that. Uh, and, and, and also empowering my team to do the same thing. So I think those are a couple of really important things. And then while I was at it, it was really kind of eye-opening. Why am I putting all this time into planning my business and planning my goals? And At first, it was, why am I planning my business? And that's it. I should actually be planning my own personal goals and dreams. And then it was, why are my personal goals and dreams just kind of about me and not about something bigger and better uh, and, and more important. And then it was, well, why am I not spending time planning my family life out and taking the same attention to detail that I have in my business for my family? You know, having a family meeting where we all get together once a week and having a one-on-one -on -one planning day with my wife where we literally plan out the next year all the people that we want to spend time with, um, you know, the trips that we want to take the date nights that we want to have, the events that we want to do so that we can grow stronger as a married couple. And so to me, it really comes down to just being proactive and scheduling a space to actually create a life by your design and by your intention. It's, um, again, it's, it's so easy to discount the things that you're sharing, Justin, if you haven't done them. Yet for those people who have actually done planning time, <laughs> who know what it feels like to literally sit down, even if it's for 10 minutes, with a piece of paper and a pen with no tech, no distractions, and to really think, to ask a big question, to search for the answer, to journal it, the amount of clarity that comes is remarkable. And most people just have never slowed down and stopped running to realize that they're actually, like Keith said, enthusiastically running in the wrong direction, That's right. <laughs> which there's nothing worse. So, I mean, you're talking about investing in your relationships, whether it be just through reading books to the actual relationships you keep, to habits you're forming, to planning time. We haven't even talked about financial strategy yet. Those are the activities that allowed you to become the type of person who could start making the financial investments you made. Yeah, you know, and, and it's it does start with kind of making that conscious decision uh, to just take some steps forward. And my wife and I have been doing our planning now for 12 years. 
Uh, and it, it has done wonders for bringing us closer and bring and really like helping us to be on the same page and do life together, you know, in, in, you know, both in the driver's seat and, uh, both being comfortable with the other person in the driver's seat. Right. Uh, but there's also inside of that intentionality and, you know, uh, who are the mentors that we're going to spend time with? And who are the couples that we get along with that we want to spend time with? Not let's do by let's have default set in and, and just hang out with whoever invites us, but it's let's make a plan with who are the couples that we really want to engage with because we get along so well with both couples. These are our couples friends. And then of course, I'll have my own group of friends and she'll have her own group of friends. And I do think it's really important to plan your finances as well in that. You know, one of the things that we did that I think is imperative is walking through what the financials look like over the next one year, five years, 10 years, and having a component of that focused on gaining some sort of passive income to accompany the earned income. Mm-hmm. Most people don't get that earned income is the highest taxed income. And passive income is one of the lowest taxed income. So it makes sense financially to do it. But then from the freedom of time standpoint, that is where it really makes sense. I mean, to me, there's nothing more important than uh, having full agency over your time and where you're spending it, who you're spending it with, You know that you're living your passions and that you're uh, in community with people that you want to be in community with and that you want to do life with. I want to dive in on getting on the same page about money with your significant other because we know it is the number one cause of divorce. And we see it when we facilitate our couples goal setting retreat. There's most people are not on the same page with money. As you went down this path and you're saying, all right, I want to be financially free. I want to have the passive income to fund our lifestyle. Was Jennifer just on board with that? Was she thinking the same way about money? Where was she at? Well, I think at first when I started talking about it, she probably thought I was crazy because that was not her reality. She was a teacher at the time, and her parents uh, worked. You know, her her mom was a teacher, and her dad actually worked for the Department of Revenue. And so they and they you know now are retired and they have their pension. And so it's just a totally different world and different place. So. Uh, you know, I really credit my wife for uh, believing in me and and really kind of uh, deciding that this plan can work for us. But at the beginning, when I first started talking about doing this planning, I think she thought I was a little weird, and she had never really planned a lot like that. It, it, it seemed odd. And uh, then when we started talking about the the finances, she actually taught high school finance. Uh, and, and so actually it was business. So it was a combination of a bunch of different things, but it was uh, business for high school, all, all, all four grades. So there was at least that foundation where she got it. You know, She knew that you should plan long-term. And for us to be on the same page, that was powerful. For sure, the way that we went about it was out of her comfort zone. The, the whole thought of having assets produce income was just totally foreign to her. Uh, the swings that we had in income from our businesses uh, stressed her out. I mean, we would have swings of tons of cash in and tons of cash out. And she's like, I can't even be on these bank accounts because I, I'm, I'm getting like anxious seeing how much money like is just disappearing. 
and so, you know, that was a process. But, you know, I credit her for having, you know, the courage, the faith to, you know, to do this with me and, and to really subscribe to this ideology that is way different than the norm and, and really pursue getting away from earned income with a major focus on passive income. Fast forward, you hit your 37th birthday. You guys have the, the passive income to actually fund your lifestyle, which you guys live a good life. You finally had the ability, you'd bought your time back. What did you start doing? Well, I took that year off. That was really fun. It, it was nice to be able to step away from And that's all when we businesses. met. Yeah, that is. Because I remember you said, I'm taking the year off. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I know. It sounded so crazy uh, to my friends. It sounded crazy for me to say it. And, and technically, I didn't take the year off. It was just impossible. I tried. I mean, I took a lot of weeks off and it was really nice. And, and really what I had was a very long sabbatical. That, that's probably the best way of putting it. It wasn't a full year. But I did live a full year totally on my own timeline, my own schedule. Uh, and really, it was just putting all the things that I was most passionate in my life first. It's putting my family first, putting travel first, putting experiences first. I'm not a huge fan of just stuff. Like Material possessions are not a huge deal to me. Uh, what I would much prefer is uh, experiences that you'll remember and the relationships that you have with people because of it. And so, you know, we went and traveled the world, went to nine different countries. You know, spent uh, a couple months in Europe, and uh, that was great. Went to a bunch of wine regions. I'm a huge wine lover, and so I've got you know quite the collection, which you and I have had together. Uh, some some really fun bottles of wine. Uh, and so, you know, it, it was getting more into wine, uh, which was fun. It was uh, reading more. It was, you know, basically becoming a student again for all the things that I wanted to learn. So as much as I was taking time off, I was really kind of immersing myself in all the things that I've been waiting years to do, realizing that I didn't need to wait years to do it. Yeah. And I remember when you, you shared with me, yeah, I'm taking the year off so I can focus on being a, a, a husband and a father first. And I mean, that's why you and I met, right? We were part of a group of, of dads who want to be family men with businesses, not businessmen with families. But I mean, you really flipped the switch and said everything in terms of business is not the priority. My family is the priority. Investing in your, how old was Savannah at the time? Oh, she was. She's like four? four. Yeah. Uh, Investing in the relationship with her and taking the time to travel with them. I mean, I just, I think that was so cool. And I think the reason it's important for people to hear this is I mean, dude, you're 40, <laughs> right? So you started the journey when you were what, 22, 23? Mm -hmm. So you're talking a 17 year swing. But the truth is, every single person who's listening to this has dreams that they had 17 years ago. And they're still their dreams and not their reality because they didn't use that dream or that goal to help them start becoming appropriate in the moment. You set the goal and you immediately allowed it to determine the relationships you needed to form, the habits you needed to form. You did those two things and you fast forward and here you are and you got a long life left to live. You know, and it's, it's interesting because I worked so hard for this. Uh, you know, to, to to be able to be financially free, 
But the reality is, it's not like I'm going to not work. Like that, that just sounds miserable. I actually want to do something. I just want to do the things that I want to do. I want to pour into the, the passions that I have. Uh, so it's not about not working. It's more about working on my schedule and, you know, in, inside of my passions and desires and on my timeline and from wherever I would like to do it. But once you accomplish it, it's kind of done. So then it's like, all right, well, what's the, what's the next thing? And so I just really want to encourage people that are listening instead of you know focusing on however long it's going to take to achieve the thing most of the fun happens along the way of getting there that's where the growth happens that's where the big ahas happen and when you actually achieve it you're like okay what's next right so instead of being so hung up on getting to that final end goal it's fun living in the moment, watching the progress that happens week in and week out on your way to that goal. I think that's so important. And from personal experience, extremely hard to do. Especially as, as a high achiever, you, so, you focus on the result. And it's really easy to start hating on yourself when you're not where you want to be. And frankly, you hate on your stepping stones, which are absolutely vital to get you to where you want to go. What advice would you give people so that they start to view the fulfillment as the journey and not the destination? Well, I think you can break it down. So figure out what the goal is and then what are the steps that you need to take to get there and how do you make it fun? You know, it, 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 you, you want it to not be a stressful endeavor. <laughs> you, know, you, you want it to be fun along the way and uh, to learn the lessons. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy and it doesn't mean that it's... you know. Like that, that the obstacles that come in your way that uh, that that those are that those are going to fully stop you, but it's it's being playful enough and curious enough to get past it and to uh, to really make the choice that that end goal matters the most. So, what does it look like broken down over the course of a year, a quarter, a week? And giving yourself grace when you do fall short, that you don't have to throw it out the window. You just get back on the horse and move, you know, a few steps forward uh, because you're going to get hit hard at some point in anything that you plan because that's kind of just what life has in store for you. You know, that's, that's where the learning takes place. If it were easy, you wouldn't learn as much, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. Um, most, yeah. So, so fast forward, um, you, you, you have a new one thing professionally. Talk to us about it. Yeah, so I, I'm really excited. I just wrote my very first book called The Lifestyle Investor. And uh, it, it really is kind of a life's work kind of wrapped into this book that is my kind of core principles. It's, you know, the, the subtitle is The Ten Commandments of Cash Flow Investing for Passive Income and Financial Freedom. And it's really just my 10 criteria on what I use to determine whether I should invest in something or not. And I've just really had this great I you know this great time I guess writing down my journey of what it has been and the deals that I've done and the different decisions I've made than what is conventional or normal or you know what most people do and it's kind of taking a a new turn to get it so you don't have to wait until retirement to have this amazing life. You can have it today while building uh, a, for a great retirement. I love that, man. I love that. Well, where can people learn more about the book? Yeah, you can go to justindonald.com 
forward slash book. And uh, there's an option there. Uh, in fact, uh, for any of the listeners that are interested, uh, number one, they can get it for free. All they got to do is pay shipping and handling. And number two, the proceeds are are going to charity. Uh, and so I'm really excited for this book, not only to have an impact for the people that read it, but for the the actual income to financially have an impact for those that are in need as well. Love that, man. Love that. Well, I am super grateful for you. I've been very intentional about the relationships that I invest in and you've definitely been one of them. So I just appreciate you being an all-around good guy and a good friend. Well, thank you. And the feelings are mutual. And I love the fact that you know we get a chance to hang as much as we do. So I, I feel very blessed uh, to call you a friend. And it's just fun being able to be on a podcast like this today and kind of go back and forth and talk about life and talk about real life, you know, not surface level life, but actually talk about real issues, real things that people deal with. And, you know, that, that this is part of just a normal relationship. I just, I love it. Yep. And you're throwing a good bottle of wine. That's okay too. <laughs> you bet. <laughs> All right, bud. Well, there you have it. Our conversation with Justin Donald. The thing that really stood out to me in this episode is recently I had a chance to interview Gary Keller for the the goal setting retreat. We shared this video with the people who attended it. And he said, you know, once you set your big goals, it comes down to the habits and the relationships that you form that get you there. Achieving success in your life comes down to those two things, the habits you form and the relationships you form. What I love about Justin's journey is he didn't get into the tactics of how they got on a budget or how they saved. What he talked about was the importance of the relationships he invested in, whether that be reading books and literally an author that he's never met, mentoring him through their ideas to getting very intentional about investing in friendships with people who were more where I want, where he wanted to be, investing in mentors and coaches who were further along the journey who could advise him and help accelerate his path. And when he read those books, when he had those conversations, he didn't just let it go in one ear and out the other. He put it into action and formed habits around them. Folks, as you look forward for your life, think about the goals that you have and ask yourself the questions. What are the habits and relationships that if I formed those would make achieving those goals easier or unnecessary. If you would like to join us, we have an entire community of people that are about to launch a 66-day challenge come January 1st, where as a community of like-minded high achievers, we are going to support each other in forming one habit that would make achieving a big goal that we have for the next year easier or unnecessary. If you would like to join us, you can go to the one thing.com slash habits. And right now you could actually join us for the full 66 day challenge for free. But you have to go to the one thing.com slash habits because we are literally kicking it off on January 1st. So make sure you do that right now. And if you would like to check out Justin's brand new book called The Lifestyle Investor, you can go to his website at justindonald.com slash book. If this episode has brought value to you, Who's somebody that you know that might need to hear this? Would you share it with them? 
And if you're new to the podcast, go ahead and click the subscribe button so all future episodes are automatically downloaded to your device. And while you're at it, if you would consider leaving us a rating and review on your podcast player, it would mean the world to us because it genuinely helps us reach more people and live our mission, which is to help more people better invest their time and achieve extraordinary results. I'm your host, Jeff Woods. We look forward to being with you in the next episode.